Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. I'm so glad you're here this morning. And um, if you're new or haven't been here for a while, uh, we teach in series, and we started a series last week called I Marriage. And uh, today's topic is putting your eye out. <clears throat> and so I think we'll start with a little bit of review, and for folks who weren't here last week, you can catch up. We talked about when we get into a committed relationship, or we get engaged, or eventually get married, we enter those relationships with a lot of desires, hopes, wishes, and dreams. They might be about where we're going to live and what kind of house we're going to live. We might start in an apartment and eventually move into a starter home, but eventually you have a dream to have a nice house. Uh, maybe five years down the road, maybe 10 years down the road. It took Deb and I about 30 years down the road to get to that house, uh, but we've been there, well, eight, nine years already. So, uh, hopes and dreams about house. We have hopes and dreams about having children someday. And uh, maybe it's after a year or two, like it was with us. Maybe it's four or five years down the road. And maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's three or four like we had. Uh, so you have hopes and dreams about children. You may start off with... Uh, Kind of a clunker of a car, but you know, that's not really your preferred means of transportation, right? Somewhere down the line, you want to drive one of these, a Corvette or some other convertible or some other expensive car and drive in style. And so that's a hope or a dream that you might have. Maybe it's a tricked out truck, I don't know. But anyway, whatever your, your hope and dream is. Then we have roles, right? Whenever I do premarital counseling, I make sure. We talk about this. Okay, what, 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 who's going to do what? In my house, the wife, my wife does the laundry. Uh, I do the fixing of things. Uh, she does most of the cooking. So, you know, division of labor. You, you talk about that. You have hopes and dreams and expectations about that. Time's another factor. Uh, we have hopes and dreams about time. Uh, as I said last week, I'm, to be on time for me is 10 minutes early. To be on time for my wife is... 10 minutes late, right? <laughs> uh, it's done a lot better in recent years. Uh, we're going go to go to bed together. We're going to get up together. We're going to eat together. How many times are we going to eat together? Uh, and we're going to spend all our time together. At first, it seems like that's what you want to do. Uh, but you've got to have your own time, your own space, etc. So there's dreams, expectations about how you're going to spend your time. Uh, most of us guys uh, have a hope and dream expectation that our wives aren't going to go to bed in something like this. And of course you wives are hoping and dreaming that your wife, do your husband doesn't care what you wear to bed. He just wants you to be warm and comfortable, uh, etc. Right? Hopes, wishes, dreams, and desires. <clears throat> so, natural, normal, you wouldn't get married if you didn't have some of these, right? Uh, so, we approach, we go, walk down the aisle, and uh, we even talk about these things ahead of time, right? And uh, but something kind of just automatically almost, without thinking about it, without intention, something happens after a week, month, year of marriage. These dreams, these wishes, these desires begin to migrate over here. And this box over here we're labeling expectations so I'm not just hoping my wife will clean my clothes I'm expecting her to clean my clothes she's not hoping I'm going to cut the grass she's expecting me 
to cut the grass. She's not hoping I'm going to be home at this time from work. She's expecting me to be home at this time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We could go on and on and on. And uh, we talk about it. And, you know, we put, usually put time limits on this. And the interesting thing is, one reason things move over here is because one or both of us become impatient. Well, I thought we were going to have that house at five years. And then we're already ten years, and it's not even on the horizon. I thought we were going to have kids, you know, after two years. And then we've been five years. You keep saying we can't afford it. Uh, become expectations. And we become impatient. But we talked about this. Remember back when we were dating and we were staring at each other's eyes? You promised. You promised. Uh, yeah, but, you know, life happened. And so what happens when things move from desires to expectations, things that become joys now become burdens, right? And no matter how much you do over here, it's just not, doesn't seem enough. And you get tired and you get worn out. And it's not what you signed up for, was it? It wasn't what you dreamed it would be. Uh, we said it this way last week. When the desires are translated into expectations, you create a debt-debtor relationship. Not only do I desire these things, I believe I'm owed these things. Isn't that what wives do? Don't wives wash, do, do the laundry? Isn't that what husbands do? Don't they cut the grass? They owe me that they fulfill these obligations or responsibilities. And so there's this tension, right? This uncomfortable tension. And you have good times, but there's just not this joy in your marriage that, you know, the happily ever after that you envisioned. Now, so let's just imagine that we have nothing over here. That our, the, our only desire is to fulfill our spouse, our partner's wishes, hopes, and desires. No expectations. You don't owe me uh, this. You don't owe me that. Now, I gave you homework last week. How many did the homework? Nobody. One person. I have to give the same lesson again next week, I guess, if nobody did it. The homework was, what does your spouse owe you? And I was hoping you'd have this conversation about this. Deb and I had uh, several of these and we, back weeks ago. And I did have somebody leave this last Sunday morning and say, I know the answer to that question. I said, what question? The homework question. I said, oh, what is that? And he got the question, answer right. And the answer is what? Nothing. Now, it's easy for us to know what the answer is supposed to be. Right? But is that truly the way we're living? Is that truly the way we feel? Another way to think about it is, do I truly have no expectations of my spouse? Now, one of the differences between these two boxes is, when we don't get these, life is, we're still okay. We're still happy. That's a hope, a wish, a dream. If I don't get it, I'm still happy. If it's over here, you don't get it, you're not happy. In fact, you may be angry. You may even be bitter. Uh, when we do get these things over here, eh, we're really thankful, right? When we get them over here, hell, that's what I expected. That's what she owes me. That's what he owes me. See the difference? Seems small, but it's huge. The difference between desires 
and expectations. So here's the question. How do we keep this box empty? How do we do that? Well, part of it's your homework assignment. To get to the place where you say, my spouse, my significant other doesn't owe me anything. And truly believe it. I have to give you something else, something not to do. And if you're a Jesus follower, you may be doing this. I call it Bible darts. You know what Bible darts are? You know the Bible says. You're supposed to be submissive to me. You know the Bible says. You're supposed to cherish me. You know the Bible says. And we'll get to that in a minute. But <laughs> the verses that you're quoting are the verses she's supposed to know. And the verses he's quoting are the verses she's supposed to know. And not vice versa. And what we're doing really is we're trying to control our, our loved one, right? We're trying to get them to do what we want them to do. Well, if you're a Jesus follower, the Bible says, so you need to do it. Now, I understand that keeping everything over here is a little scary. Because he may never cut the grass. She may never do the laundry. But see, marriage isn't supposed to be a, well, it's not supposed to be an I marriage for one thing. But it's also not, in my case, supposed to be a D marriage. It's not supposed to be a Deb marriage. Or it's not supposed to be an A marriage. It's not supposed to be an Allen marriage. In fact, the answer to the I marriage is this. That you invite in a third party. And if you had a Christian wedding, the pastor probably talked about this somewhere along the line in the ceremony. They invited a third party. So we're going to look at something that we looked at it the last two weeks, actually, that Paul wrote, trying to ex- explain or flesh this out, what Jesus taught about these type of relationships. So here we go. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, submit means to make your priority my priority. Make your thing my thing, right? It's not about me. It's about you. But ultimately, it's not about even you. Well, it is about you, but only because of who it's about tells me it's about to be about you. <laughs> That's a little confusing. Let me try to explain. Uh, out of reverence for Christ. So, I'm submitting to you, your priorities are my priorities, your hopes, wishes, desires, dreams are my dreams because of my reverence for Christ. And we talked about this, a Christian marriage is a submission competition. Now let's all be honest, how many of you are competitive? Put your hands up again. Remember yours. (laughs) Now, not everybody's got their hands up. Now my wife doesn't put her hands up. But it depends what the situation is. You ever play rummy with my wife? She is cutthroat. She wants to win, even playing with the grandkids. I'm not kidding. So all of us have some of this competition in us. It just depends what area you're talking about. So we all should be good at this. You know, when we do this, it's a win-win situation, right? I'll give you an example for this week. Actually, I'm trying to practice this stuff, right? <laughs> I got up here and talk about it. 
So uh, my wife and I are watching TV, and our, our TV is in our basement, and our food's in the kitchen, obviously. And believe it or not, we usually eat while we're watching TV. You think we'd be bigger than we are, but we do. And um, <clears throat> so uh, we had to eat something, and, and obviously I'm going upstairs and get something else. Do you want anything? And she said, oh, yeah. Like, she said, oh, I can go get it. Well, I was already standing up for one thing, but I said, no, 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 let me get it. And she said, no, I can't. I, I said, no, no, no. So as I'm walking up the stairs, I said, I win. <laughs> I win. But we actually both win. But when you're in an I marriage, when you win, she what? Loses, right? When my wife wins at Rummy, I <laughs> lose. <laughs> and she usually does. <clears throat> but in a Submission, competition, both sides wins. Can't get much better than win-win, can you? Okay, let's get back to reverence. Do you know what reverence means? Sometimes we think it's like coming here and going, ooh, ah, uh, it's a God type thing. <clears throat> That's not what reverence is. And it's not ultimately, I'm not supposed to reverence my wife. The verse doesn't say that, does it? I submit to her, but I reverence who? Christ. So let me try and explain, I think, what this means. <clears throat> if you're a Jesus follower, and uh, if you're not, I'm not going to be able to help you a whole lot with this because I think that's the answer. Uh, there might be some answers in a secular world, but I don't know what they are. I can only give you the answers I know about. So, as a Jesus follower, somewhere along the line, I stepped across, somewhere along in time, I stepped across that line and I accepted God's gracious, awesome gift of salvation and forgiveness and eternal life. And I, I have this relationship with the Almighty God. And so he's, he's given me grace and mercy. He hasn't given me what I deserve. He's given me so much stuff I don't deserve. And so God, I, I'm so grateful. How can I show my gratitude to you? And he says to me, do you really want to know? Yeah, 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 I really want to know. I said, you know, go to church every Sunday, read my Bible. What, what, what is it you want me to do? He says to me, all right, I want you to love your wife like I love you. God, can't I just put 12 or 13% in the offering plate or, you know, uh, do something else? No, 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 you ask, and this is, this is my answer for you. Love her like I love you. I put it on your outline. God said, speaking, put her first because I put you first. That's awesome to think about. I know. God put me first. He literally died for me. Sometimes it's hard to believe. So we have this debt-free relationship with God, right? We don't owe God anything. He gave his son Jesus for us, expecting nothing in return. That was the awesome thing about Friday night was, uh, we put this event on expecting nothing in return. I don't think anybody got blessed more than we did. And that's the awesome thing at the same, about this type of marriage. When you love expecting nothing in return, you get so much in return. So it's a debt-free relationship. We don't owe each other anything. So then he gets more specific. He addresses wives. So guys, shut your ears and eyes. This isn't for you. Wives. You, this means, I don't know why he says, repeats it, but he does. 
Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So that's kind of a little different twist. So, okay. I'm submitting to my husband, not because he deserves it, not because he's done something that I appreciate. In fact, he may not have done anything that I appreciate. But what I'm doing is loving him in appreciation to God, or that's the way I am loving God. In fact, that becomes the channel, according to God. Again, remember we, a couple weeks ago we talked about it's, you and God are fine, so God says, hey, you prove it to me by what you do this way. So he says, the way, best way you can love me, God speaking, is to love your spouse like I love you. Wives, that's your instructions, okay? Just like God loves you, love that guy, all right? And then a couple of verses down, gets to guys. Ladies, you can not pay attention. Husbands, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did he do that? He gave up his life for her. So same deal. Okay, God, I've got this gratitude, this passion for you. How do I show it? Show it to your spouse. Unconditional love. Just like I love you. Now most of us guys would take a bullet for our wife, wouldn't we? I think we would. But we would lay her down our lives. We turn the TV off because she wants or change the channel. She wants to watch Hallmark. That's a tough one in my house. <laughs> How many of those movies can you watch? But anyway. Um, are, you, are you willing to give up, you know, going to play golf or going fishing and going to go shopping with her, and, and vice versa. Are you willing to, to give up the shopping thing or whatever your thing is, ladies, so he can do his thing? Uh, lay down your life. Yeah, we would actually die, but the, the living sacrifice is hard, isn't it? Daily stuff. Why would I do that? Simple answer, because of what Jesus did for me. And there's no way I can top that. No way I can, I'll do that. See, instead of living in the shadow of a big eye or two eyes colliding, like often happens in our marriages, right? As a Jesus follower, we live in the shadow of the cross. And I'm living under the cross, I'm going to love my spouse like God loves me. Now here's the toughy question. Why would God design marriage that way? And I think the answer is this. He's an invisible God. We can't see him, right? We know this stuff. We know he loves us, but we can't really feel it. I mean, sometimes we get some goosebumps when there's a cool song on or whatever. The guy says, okay, I'm an invisible God, but I want you to actually experience my love. And so the way I'm going to do that is through your spouse. The way you're going to come to understand unconditional love is Gonna, you're going to get it from your spouse. She, her, her love, his love, is going to be a reflection of my love for you. Now this is huge. This is a huge responsibility if you're a married person or committed to somebody a person. I'm responsible to demonstrate how God loves my wife by the way I love my wife. Huge. You say, ah, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know about that. Let me ask you this question. 
wouldn't you love for your spouse to love you that way? Yeah. Sure would. So it's no longer this I will if you will marriage. We talked about that last week. This compromise marriage, this 50-50 marriage. The problem with that is, and I've been there, I always feel like I'm doing more than my 50% and she's not. Just the way it is. So Christian marriage is where the I gets replaced with the J. Again, not the D, not the A, with the J. I'm loving you, God, as I, by loving my spouse. That's my visible, practical way that I can do that. So we've got to maintain a perspective. You don't owe me anything. And that's hard. I'm not expecting anything from you. That's the next slide, guys. You don't owe me anything. Now here's part, I know some of the pushback. <clears throat> and I'm going to use the terminology of a leash. I don't have animals, but anyway, some of you do. I got, I, I, I got to have that leash on him, Pastor. Otherwise, he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't even go to work. But I didn't, again, I'll use the word from last week, nagging. Keep after him. You know, he would never pick up his socks if I didn't, you know, keep after him. Well, Pastor, I, I got to have that leash on her. It, you know, if I gave her $5, she would, you know, it would disappear. You know, I got to keep that leash on that money. Or is, she, she can't be trusted with it. I understand. And so we revert back to the I marriage and to the expectations. Because I, you know, if I just love them unconditionally, this marriage thing would fall apart. What do you call it when you try and control somebody's behavior? I think you call it parenting, don't you? Did you want an I marriage or a mom marriage or a dad marriage? The problem with that kind of marriage is you don't feel loved. I mean, you, sometimes you do, and you can have some good days, and probably the Valentine's week, you know, there might be a little extra effort. And the really sad thing is it kind of works, doesn't it? If you can hold that leash tight enough, you can control that other person. You're not really happy, and they're not really happy, but yeah. And a lot of it comes from our models, what, you know, what your parents were like. But here's the bottom line. There's no guarantees. You can love your spouse perfectly, unconditionally, and they go off and do whatever they want. In fact, sometimes they even get worse, angrier. You know the big reason is? Because they don't feel like they deserve it. Right? But there's no potential to experience God's love, unconditional love, in an I marriage or compromised marriage. So this is your only hope for God to invade the relationship and bring about change. To bring about the marriage you hope for, dream for. So you can either have the I, what I want, or you can have what you need and what you really want. Unconditional love. So let's do the best we can to keep everything out of this box over here.
Now, I know what your question is, because it's my question. What do I do with all this stuff? It's natural. It's normal. We should have it. What do I do with it? Well, the Bible gives the answer to that. But I have no more time today, right? It's 12 o'clock. So guess what? You've got to come back next week to find out the answer to that question. I hope you will. Um, what are you modeling? I got grandkids. Well, most of them probably one day will be married. What am I modeling? You got one son that's not married yet too. What am I modeling? See, this isn't simple. It isn't easy. But this is God's design. Let's invite God in and have awesome relationships. I'm out of time. Let's we'll have one song and let you go. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your design, your way you created marriage. It's a huge responsibility that, that God's, that my wife's supposed to come to understand love by the way I love her, your love for her. Uh, God, I thank you for all these folks here. Many of them are in relationships and uh, <clears throat> give them the strength and the courage and the wisdom to, be, to, to apply some of these things. It can make a huge difference and help us to remember we're, we are modeling this for the next generation. And God, for everybody that's not a Jesus follower, we're going to pray to God that they would step across that line. It would make their life completely different. It would change their life. It would change their relationships. Uh, God, we thank you that you invite them, that this is a free gift that all of us can come. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.